It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott DeHub produced the show. Mike was out of town last week on vacation. Uh, so that's really great. Superbook, uh, America's Best Bet. Check out Superbook. Mike, how was your vacation? Oh, it was great. Uh, explored good part of the uh, American Southwest. Yeah. You know, parts of Colorado and Utah and Arizona and Nevada. It's fantastic. Man, there were some times we were driving through parts of the country where I'm like, okay, this is where the aliens land. Did you, at any time, did you like black out and wake up with a sore bottom? Like, because that, because if you are you saying was I was I abducted by aliens and rectally probed? Yes. Well, that's what everybody knows that that's what happens, right? I mean, that's the only way they can figure out what we're all about. Apparently, that's why they have the long finger. They can't talk to us. No, that's why they have the long finger that lights up. Everybody knows this. I like everybody is phone home. Well, no, good. Was good. I'm glad you guys had a good, good little family break. You need that every now and again. But uh, good to be back, and here we are about three weeks away from the NFL draft, and moves are being made, and rumors and speculation. How about Sam Darnold? Not not a surprise, really, that, that he was traded. I guess maybe the fact that it was Carolina is the surprising part. Uh, you mean after they made a push to go get Teddy Bridgewater last year and I think there's a couple things. And that they were always kind of linked right. to maybe one of these quarterbacks coming out. Yeah. I think there's a couple things that you can learn from this experiment. Like, if we really dig deep, there are, there are a lot of layers to this onion. Okay? Um, and, and I think, I think well, let's just start there. I mean, let's just start with Sam Darnold in the draft. Okay? So, you draft Sam Darnold in 20, what, 18, right? And Sam Darnold doesn't produce. He gets hurt. He, uh, you know, gets beat up. You don't have a roster around him. This is what I find fascinating about the National Football League and shitty teams, okay? You think that you can do the same thing and you're going to get different results. I mean, here's the thing that fascinates me about this. Let's put a guy in an untenable position. Let's put a guy in a position to lose, and then let's act surprised when he loses, right? Like, I don't understand that. There is a reason the same freaking five or six teams are always drafted in the top ten. I mean, come on. It For years, it was Cleveland. It's the Jets every year. It was the Bengals every year. It's the, I mean, on and on. Detroit Lions, they're always a top ten. Why? Because they do the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. Like, do you not understand? Do you not understand that if you don't have the roster to win, that all of a sudden getting a quarterback isn't going to elevate your roster? It's going to drag down your quarterback. There are, Mike, honestly, if we went through this, I'll just ask you, give me a list of unicorn quarterbacks who changed the fortune of your franchise right now. How many guys in the NFL do that? Oh, there's only a handful. I mean, you you, you know who they are. They're they're Mahomes, they're um you know, Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I think Russell Wilson's that kind of quarterback. Um it's pretty much where it ends, that's right? That's pretty much where it ends, yeah. Yeah. 
So here, here's my here's my theory on quarterbacks. Like the unicorn quarterback back in the day, Peyton Manning. Like I used to be public enemy number one when I worked at ESPN because I said every year, every year, this roster's an eight and eight roster, and they're twelve and four every year because they've got a co- quarterback that covers up their warts. And and Indianapolis people would piss. Players were pissed. Like the the fan base was pissed. They hated my guts. And then Peyton Manning got hurt, and they went two and fourteen. I was like, "Wow, I way overestimated the talent on that team. They are terrible." Oh, oh they must have loved that. Oh yeah, they love that. Uh, but you know what? When you live on, I told you so, Island. Yeah. Yeah, I told you so. I told you this is what they were. And the deal is, there's three or four quarterbacks in the league that cover up warts. The rest of the quarterbacks, write this down, expose them. They expose the warts on your team. And if you think that all of a sudden Zach Wilson's going to come and you're not going to change your your roster philosophy and he's going to save you the knight in shining armor, you're the Jets. There's a reason you suck every year. There's a reason you draft in the top 10 every year. For crying out loud, I, I just don't understand that philosophical approach. And, and look, like I'll give you a for instance. So the Carolina Panthers went and got Teddy Bridgewater. Why? Well, Teddy Bridgewater bounced back, had an unbelievable comeback, uh, you know, comeback career story. Went to New Orleans, got uh, Drew Brees got hurt, and he ended up going five and zero as a starter. And people were like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater five and zero. Let's pay him twenty million dollars a year to come over here to Carolina and and resurrect our program, right? When you look at the two rosters, you know what? They didn't ask Teddy Bridgewater to go out and win games. He asked Teddy Bridgewater not to screw it up. You look at, hey, man, they got an all-pro left tackle, an all-pro right tackle. They've got a Pro Bowl center. they got a Pro Bowl guard in Anders Pete. they got an all-world running back. I mean, Alvin Kamara's all-world. You know, their tight end had been to Pro Bowls. They have the best wide receiver in football in Michael Thomas. Uh, do you understand how stacked they are? Not to mention, oh, by the way, they've got one of the best corners in Marshawn, uh, uh, what is it, Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore, right? Um, David Onyemata is a Pro Bowl type of defensive tackle. Oh, by the way, they've got a all-pro Cam Jordan defensive end and, oh, a guy that just left, Trey Hendrickson, that went to a Pro Bowl last year at the defensive end. Oh, by the way, Demario Davis is one of the best middle linebackers in all of football. Like, they are one of the most talented. Oh, wait a minute. Malcolm Jenkins, how many Pro Bowls and all pro, you know, nominations has he gotten? Like, they are loaded. They're loaded. Here's the, here's the game plan. This is the game plan. And pardon my French. We say this on TV all the time. Hey, 10 seconds live TV. Good luck and don't fuck it up. Right? Hey, 10 minutes to kick off. Right? Good luck. Don't fuck this up. We got a great team. Honestly, like, I mean, I don't mean to be flippant, but uh, is it flippant? Flippant? Flippant. Flippant. Yes. Yeah. I think I said flippant. Not flippant. Flippant. <laughs> like a, like, flippant. Like an like ant. Flippant. Yeah. Flippant. Right. right. I don't mean to flippant. Right. Like you flip an ant over. <laughs> so, well, okay, so then is that, does that explain then maybe the idea behind what San Francisco did by moving up to number three? Is the idea that they they see a team that was in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and while they like Jimmy Garoppolo, they realize Garoppolo 
had a, has enough deficiencies that maybe you can't win a win a championship with him. But in the pursuit of going and getting a a quarterback of the future, it needs to be a quarterback that, in theory, can step right in. And like you said, not expose not expose the warts. Just play to the strength of the roster right. around you. Is that does that explain why it why it appears that this move was made to get Mac Jones, which surprises a lot of people? Now, I mean, the, the 49ers aren't on record, but every all the signs seem to be pointing to Mac Jones. Do you? You've done plenty of 49er yeah. games. You've gotten to know Kyle Shanahan and John sure. Lynch pretty well. I mean, does does this sound like the the direction yeah. they're going into you? Well, I mean, I played against John Lynch forever, and he's a guy that that you know I I have a lot of respect for and I have a relationship with, right? Uh, you know, after playing relationship, both TV guys, you know, and um, and we both played for the Broncos, so we both have there's a connection there. So John, I would consider I've known John since he was in in college. So I actually worked out one summer with John when he was at Stanford, and I was playing for the uh, Washington quote unquote football team. So I've known John for a very long time. And he's a guy that I have a ton of respect for and, and you know, a guy that I can reach out to and say, hey, give me some insight. Now, I'm not trying to break news, so I don't know who they're paying. I would never ask him, who are you guys taking at three? I want to know. That, that, I would never do that. Um, so, but John is, a, John is a friend. I've known Kyle since he was, what, 15 years old and a ball boy or whatever it was. So, you know, he was a ball boy. I played for his dad. You know, I, I know Kyle very well. Um, and, like, Kyle wants – Kyle wants – do you want athleticism at, at that position for all the rollout, the boot keep stuff? And yes. Does does Mac Jones have enough athleticism to to execute all those things? Absolutely he does. The bottom line is they're gonna run the ball because of they they are probably one of, if not the top team in all of football when it comes to personnel groupings, to motions, to all the things that they are asked and all the things the quarterbacks are asked to do pre-snap. And it takes it takes a lot of intelligence to understand, you know, what personnel group are we in? Like, hey, are we in eleven? Then my F slot receiver becomes my adjustment guy. Are we in twelve? Then my second tight end becomes my adjustment guy. Are we in twenty one? Then my fullback is my adjustment guy. And so if I say, you know, F left outside, it means my fullback in twenty one is going outside to the left, outside the X receiver. But if I say F left outside, and we're in 12, then it's my backup tight end, my second tight end that's going to move. Like, There's a lot of things you have to understand um, pre-snap. There's a, lot, there's a lot of heavy lifting you have to do to be involved in that offense and to understand what the formations are, what the personnel groupings are, who's the adjustment guy, like how we're attacking, uh, how we're attacking a defense. And now, the scheme or, or, or the, the concept is the concept. Like, you could run one concept, and, and it's for you it's one concept with one adjuster, and for the defense, you could run it 11 different – you could run it the same play 11 times and make it look like 11 different plays. But it's the same concept over and over. So it takes a level of intelligence at that position to be able to operate that way and not have to almost where it becomes second nature, you don't have to think. You just know what's happening there. Um, and then, you know, your ability to execute to be on time. I think accuracy, Mike, has to do with uh, – I think accuracy in the end, you know, people talk about accuracy. Accuracy to me um, is really more about more about the timing of the throw of – being anticipatory and throwing it on time 
than it is, you know, I'm naturally just gifted with accuracy. And so it's about intelligence. It's about being able to operate that system. Who gives you the best chance at doing that and then being accurate with the football because of your decision-making process. And I think that's why a lot of people look at that offense like you're going to run the ball. You're not asking your quarterback. You're asking your quarterback to hold the backside on boot keep stuff on the play-action stuff, right? So when you're running the ball, for instance, to the right, you're asking your quarterback to be athletic enough to hold the backside, to hold the constriction of the backside safety or the defensive end. That's all you're really asking him to do. And if they won't hold, then your quarterback's athletic enough to take it on a naked boot and get yourself nine yards or eight yards. Which he's athletic enough to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I just think, like, people want to think that the whole league is going to, hey, if I don't have a quarterback that can run all over the place, then, like, I don't I don't buy that. I think that's bullshit. I think, I think you can scramble. You can be a great scrambling quarterback without ever leaving the pocket. And I think that's where championship quarterback level is, is played. I think the guy that manipulates, the guy that slides, the guy that feels the rush, the guy that knows where the weakness is before the ball snapped and knows which way he's going to have to slide. Tom Brady is a master of buying himself a half a second, a half a tick more to to drive the ball down the field and put it on somebody. Yeah, I just have a hard time believing that we've suddenly just immediately turned the page, don't look back, and the idea that the the pocket quarterback is extinct, I, right. I I don't buy that. I mean, there's just, I mean, all we know based on the history of this league, recent history, are those kind of quarterbacks still win, yeah, still win big, still win Super Bowls. All right, so if so, if if the idea of San Francisco moving up to three was we need to get our quarterback because we know Lawrence and Wilson are going to go one two, the draft starts at three. So then, if they moved up with the idea of getting one particular guy, and let's say for the sake of this conversation, it's Mac Jones. Okay. Then now all of a sudden the, the draft starts at four. Right. And, oh, what do you know? Reports are that the Atlanta Falcons open for business for trading that pick. And I, I just think that that makes sense. I mean, I think you look at Matt Ryan, you know, speaking of guys who don't cover warts, Matt Ryan won an MVP in this league. Oh, who was his coach when he won that MVP, I wonder? Oh, Kyle Shanahan, right? They went to the Super Bowl. They lost a 28-3 lead, okay? It is what it is. Th- that happened. But guess what? They have they have littered the old regime, littered Matt Ryan with an embarrassment of riches outside the numbers. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. I mean, you know, it was Muhammad Sanu. And then they had, I mean... They have had speed. They have had athleticism. They have had running backs that can catch the ball. Um, they they have had like an embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. And what happened? When they stopped running the ball and controlling the clock that way and they put the ball in Matt Ryan's hands and said, go win it for us, you know what they were? An average football team at best. The bottom line to me is Matt Ryan is 36 years old and he is still outstanding. Listen, man. One of the fascinating things I've learned over the last couple of years doing games is talking just to other coaches. Matt Ryan is teaching tape. And what I mean by that is, like, Matt Ryan is kind of the – and I've talked to Matt Ryan about this, just Matt, and, you know, he gets embarrassed about it. Um, He's a great guy. He gets embarrassed about it. 
he is considered essentially, and I've talked to multiple coaches, the godfather of footwork out of shotgun. So when you think of West Coast offense, one of the things about the West Coast offense is all your drops, all your footwork, three-step drop, five-step drop. It's five-step with a, you know, with a, a big, like a really big step, and then you know, and two big steps, then three little steps. However, they do it. However, they coach it. And I'm not versed enough to know exactly how that goes, but all those drops tie together your footwork ties together with the route and the route combination so when you hit you're triggered and you're ready and the ball should just be out so if your receiver gets jammed up that the timing of that passes off that's on the receiver like you'll see a quarterback throw one and it, it people say well inaccurate throw no 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 quarter the quarterback was on time that receiver got jammed up that's a that's on the receiver so you better be where you're supposed to be. Well, the thing that happened when so much went to shotgun in this league is those shotgun throws weren't timed up. So it really goes back to Kyle Shanahan and and Matt Ryan to some degree where they started developing the footwork. So those steps, they were tiny. He'd be like, I might get a five-step drop, like what would be a five-step drop in shotgun, you'll see the five, the tiniest little tiny, like itty bitty five, and I'm there. But you're doing it because it times up the route combination. And so there are teams that use Matt Ryan's footwork as coaching tape on shotgun. Like I've talked to teams, oh yeah, yeah, we, we that's what we do. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. So, and that's why. With with all the talk over the last month or so, was that oh yeah the Falcons? It makes sense at number four to draft his successor. Why? Right. He's, he's going to be thirty six next month. Mm-hmm. He's his game has always been based on just pocket awareness anyway. So it's not like he's lost a step. Right. And what do we know about quarterbacks now? If if you're just turning thirty six, you got at least three years left, which is a window in today's NFL. It, it, it would seem to me. Boy, if you're if you're the Falcons, instead of wasting a, a fourth pick on a quarterback that's pretty much going to be a redshirt guy, right? Why why not just go out, trade that fourth pick, get a haul in return, mm-hmm. and just build around Matt Ryan and and get back to the level you were at when he won an MVP and you went you were you know you should have won a Super Bowl. Yeah, twenty six TDs, eleven picks, forty five hundred eighty one yards, ninety three point three. Uh, efficiency rate. I can win with that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What what you realize is the Atlanta Falcons have, have just not. They have not been strong enough in trench warfare. You know, in the year that, by the way, the year Kyle Shanahan coached him, forty nine hundred twenty four yards, thirty five TD, seven interceptions, one hundred eight quarterback rating, MVP. So, I mean, what you have to what you have to understand, um, or was that or was that uh, what year did he win the MVP? Did did he win that the year? They they lost the Super Bowl. That was um, oh, twenty. Was, was it twenty sixteen? Because twenty sixteen, he was nine. Keep, four, keep talking to yourselves. Four thousand. It was four thousand nine hundred forty four yards, thirty eight TD, seven interceptions. He had a one seventeen QB rating. But I think that was the year. But still, he still put those types of years together under Kyle Shanahan. The bo- the bottom line, Mike, to me, is this two thousand seventeen. Okay, so you've got—I mean, you've got an unbe- you have got an unbelievable player there. 
But like like I said to start this podcast, some guys expose warts, other guys cover them. There's only a handful that cover them. Like Matt Ryan is not going to cover that. Like if you can't run it, if you don't, if you can't dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides, like you're not gonna you're not gonna consistently win, even though you're putting up those numbers. But Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is still like I'm not gonna call him an elite quarterback, but he's that second tier elite. He's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, it was the 2016 season, season right? And in, in which he threw for almost 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, right. seven picks. Well, we were talking about quarterbacks that cover up warts. Uh-huh. Russell Wilson's one of them. Do you hear Warren Moon say it won't happen this year? But this Russell Wilson Seattle Seahawk marriage is going to end in a divorce, and a lot of people seem to think that that, yeah. that this is inevitable. Yeah, which is like, where does that where does that come from? Like, where where do you get to the point where you get so frustrated with what's going on? Some sometimes I just wonder who's in your ear. You know who who is the per, who are the people that you put in your inner circle that tell you the truth. Or do you put people in your inner circle that tell you what you want to hear? Because this just seems odd. You know, it almost feels to me, and I was, I've was i done a bunch of Seattle radio and I've done a bunch of Seahawks games. And every time I, I get into the Seattle area or I get into doing one of these games, all I hear, I opened up the season last year in Atlanta, the Falcons versus the Seahawks. And all I heard, I did... Seattle radio, and I got people tweet me, let Russ cook, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. That's all I hear. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, really? Like, that's where we are with with Seahawk football is, is, hey, let's get away from what won us a championship, which was great defense and run the snot out of the ball, right? Let's get away from what the coach preaches, competition, physically beating people up, and let's just throw it. With a quarterback who has a propensity to hold the ball longer than he should and take sacks. And when you know that about yourself, because you know how every sack is divvied up, you know which ones are your fault. You know that those things are your fault. You know that there's, I don't know how many, I don't, I don't know what percentage, Mike, of the sacks that the Seahawks give up. They give up about 45 a year on average. What what percentage of those are are Russell Wilson? Are of the forty five or fifteen of them on Russell? I if I had well, if I was a gambling man, just based on all the film I've watched, I would guess that somewhere around fifteen or or probably attributed to Russ, maybe more. But the bottom line, it shows to me a lack of self awareness. Kind of like when he did that, Mr. Unlimited, you know? Like, that's a lack of self-awareness because you just look dumb. And I love Russ. And Russ is a competitor, and he's a smart, and he's great, and, and all those things. But when you basically say, we have to protect better, and you're in charge of a lot of the sacks that are given up, that's a lack of self-awareness. And I am I am sorry, but if I played offensive line there, I'd be pissed. And yeah. and he'd know about he'd know that now I would you know, I'm 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 not right right in your face gonna 
create a fight. I'm more, um, what do you call it when when you're subtle about stuff? You're, uh, you're, uh, you're. Uh, oh, you'd be kind of passive aggressive. Pa- that's what I was looking for. <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have stuff hanging in his locker. You know, <laughs> yeah. I would just be making fun of him every day until he relented. Right, right. right. Yeah. But I wonder. I get what you're saying. Who are who are the people in his ear? I, I I think there's something else that we're seeing. I I think it's the Brady effect. I really do. I think there are veteran quarterbacks, Brady's peers, guys that have beaten Brady, but guys that have lost to Brady, and they see what happened, how he was able to basically force himself out of New England, go to a situation that he handpicked. And then once he was there, get to bring in players that he wanted and get to have incredible say in the offense that was run. And it ended up resulting in a Super Bowl. And and don't think that Russell Wilson didn't notice that. Aaron Rodgers didn't notice that. Deshaun Watson, before all this, right. didn't notice that. And said, hey, wait a minute. We're we're now at a time where there is so much importance placed on us, so much responsibility. We're being paid the way that we're being paid that we should have more input. And if we're not going to be given that input, we should be allowed to go somewhere where we can. Right. And I I really think that to me it's it's that'd be too much of a coincidence. Yeah. To just say these quarterbacks are acting the way that they're acting independent of what we just saw with Tom right. Brady. I think there's a connection. I, I I don't disagree with you. I think there is a connection. I think what I think it would behoove you to do some research though. Meaning, I think you need to understand who Tom Brady is. And you know I have a man crush on Tom Brady, right? I mean, oh, it goes well beyond man crush. Yeah, it, it's uncomfortable. It it is un- it's uncomfortable uh it for him. Um <laughs> no, it you just have to understand that what you see on the surface is not it's it's not what like what you see like you look at that on the surface saying he he you know that they broke apart New England you know he and Bill Belichick he was tired of that grind he was tired of the organization basically asking him to cover all these warts he wanted to go somewhere he got the hand pick it just looks like he directed everything which to a degree he did i'll give you that but what people don't see is like when you sit down one-on-one with tom brady tom brady there is not a diva bone in that dude's body when it comes to team and football tom brady just wants to be one of the dudes he works i mean he works his ass off he demands, you know, as much as he demands from the guys that he plays with, he demands more from himself. He is completely collaborative when it comes to um, orchestrating the offense. There's give and take there. There is, oh, I'll try it your way, but, like, this is the way I'd like to do. Like, there is a give and take there between he and Bruce Arians yes. and, and all the different, uh, what's the quarterback guy, Ky- Clive Christensen and, is that and it was because Christensen and there's also uh, and Byron Leftwich and, and, and yeah, I want Byron you to finish your point, but Leftwich and, and Arians have both been quoted. Leftwich especially by saying, "Look, we we went to Tom and said, look, Tom, 
don't, don't please don't hold things in just because we're coaches. If you if you tell us what right. you want, okay, and let's let's work collaboratively to to make this work. So you're and I'm not I'm not trying to paint Tom as as somebody that came in and was like, damn it, my way or the highway. Right. It was it. I mean, it it only worked because Arians and Leftwich right. and Chris they all were like, hey, let let's let's right. find something that works for everybody. Credit to all of them. But that what I'm saying though is he still got that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And these and, other and it, quarterbacks right. see it and and want it too. Yeah. And it's funny to me because you know there were so many people after Bruce Arians like eviscerated him after that first game where he threw a couple of picks and was it was bad. He just eviscerated Tom Brady right in public, and people are like, oh my God, that's not going to go well. And I'm like, you guys don't know Bruce Arians. Like there is no virgin meat on anybody's ass, including his own. Like he will chew everybody, and he's fair that way. And so he didn't he didn't acquiesce to Tom Brady and change like he remained who he was, who he's always been from a coaching standpoint. And Tom Brady expects to be coached hard. It's not one of those situations where Tom Brady walked into Tampa and say, "I'm un, I'm untouchable and you guys can't yell at me." Tom Brady expects to be coached hard. He's been coached that way his whole life. And I appreciate that. So once somebody told me like they're they were so excited that Tom was in there. But, like, new guy gets signed in October, and Tom Brady walks up to new guy who's off the practice squad that he's never met. Hey, uh, Tom Brady, how are you? Yeah, I know who you are, right? Like, I know you're Tom Brady. But he goes out of his way to do that stuff. Somebody had told me that, um, I, I think this was when he was in New England, on a Friday where everybody tries to get out, you know, and you, you're done by noon or whatever. You have a sandwich, and you just roll out of there. And he's they roll out at it roll come back into the facility as somebody in, in like one of the coaches or whatever walk downstairs and he's playing cards with the practice squad guys at seven o'clock at night. Like he just wants to be one of the dudes. And and I think football is the escape from his own celebrity. I think it I think it's I like I think it that part for him is therapeutic. And so I think there's a lot more under like it's like the old iceberg, you know that your 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 public speaking one on one. The thing about an iceberg is ninety percent of its mass is underneath the water. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, right. like only ten percent is showing, and that's what you know. I mean, it's just so stupid. But I think that's I think it's true in Tom. You're Brady. a public speaker. Have yeah. we just gotten some insight into your strategy? No, no, I've I've seen that graphic eight million times. Happy to say I haven't used it. Um, but you know what I'm you yeah. know what I'm talking about. So I, I just think there's I think there's just a unique I think you better dig a little deeper and understand kind of what Brady is. By the way, who needs forty two massage therapists? Oh uh, well. Seriously. That is that is the part of this whole Deshaun Watson story that when you start to do the math, you've got this many people, this this many women who have filed complaints. And yet, supposedly, this many people who have worked with him, who you know, say he's say he's been nothing but a, a, a professional and, mm -hmm. and been very courteous, that you still add them all up. That's like forty. You tell me. You played sports. Who was, needs forty masseuses? Right now, there's twenty two lawsuits. I believe twenty four, twenty two civil lawsuits. Twenty four total people, and then like eighteen people who have come to his defense. So. You do the math, 
42. 42 people, 42 separate massage therapists. I just know as a, I still use I still use Steve from the Broncos, who was there when I played. Okay, I've been retired for how long now? Twenty one years. I still see Steve, who's still employed by the Broncos. Yeah. Right. I have two people that I see and two people only, Steve, and then I have another massage therapist. Um, her name is Anitra, and those are the only two people that I see. And if one's not available, I call the other, right? Because I've seen other people since I retired, but the other people that I've seen aren't good. So I don't continue. Like, I want somebody at the end of a massage that beats me up so bad that it's painful. Because that's the only way I feel like I'm actually getting something out of it. So when you're a professional athlete and you find somebody that works on you that's good and that and that provides you an amount of relief, you don't ever leave that person, ever. You talk to anybody who's ever played a professional sport, and they'll all tell you the exact same thing. If they find somebody, you know what? They're like gold, and they want to share that person with the other guys that play but only to a point because you want them at your beck and call when you need them and you don't want them to be busy. So he's like, I'm going to share you with my three best friends, but after that, no, you can't take anybody else. Like that's how protective guys are over masseuses that are actually good. And you know where else you don't find a masseuse? On social media. It's not every team has a couple. Like that is where, and I'm not saying the guy's guilty. I don't know. But I am saying it certainly is weird that you would have 42 different people work on you since you became, when, when did you become a professional athlete? In 2017? Let me just say, like, where there is smoke, there is fire. Like, that smells, like, that, like, like I feel like, uh, what was the, uh, was it, was it uh, Eddie Murphy in, uh, in Beverly Hills Cop? Where I smell shit, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, no, I smell shit. You're right. It's you know, everyone's allowed their their so-called day in court. You are innocent until proven guilty. But boy, that that is when you start doing the math. That's right. like whoa. That's a lot of different massage therapists, right it, there. Hey, man, let me just let me just say this. I'll leave you with this, and this is this is from my good friend Jerome Bettis. Okay. Just write this down and and put it in your lexicon. If everywhere you go, if everywhere you go, it smells like shit, it just might be you. On that note, it smells pretty shitty around here. It does. All right, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth podcast, we thank you so much for being a part of it. For Mike, myself, for Scott the Hub producing the show, we thank you. Like to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Superbook for America's best bet. Check them out, Superbook.com.